doing this for a long time. So this episode is long overdue. Yes. <laughs> I think we plan to record this uh, when Amela turned one to kind of recap um, parenthood and everything that we wish we knew, um, things that we're learning um, now that Amela is one. Mm-hmm. So I I definitely want to jump back. And I know it's hard to remember right now, but um, after we got married in 2018, I think we actively started trying already. Yeah. Yeah, aren't, just, we jumped right on that. <laughs> we we're just ready. Yeah, I think it was at that point where, you know, we, of course, we were looking forward to it. And it was one of those things that, we, you know, we didn't know even if we could at that time. Yeah. Right. I think there was one thing that now I look back and I realized um, it was harder than I thought it was going to be. I don't know if you felt the same way, uh, but when we were actively trying to get pregnant, you know, what was going on? What did we learn? What did you learn? And um, I mean, what, what are things that we wish we knew? Well, I didn't obviously know how exactly what you said, like how long it would take for, you know, especially after the first, our first baby. And then, you know, trying to recover from that and waiting months after to really try again. And I mean, I don't know if we went into detail about, you know, the the other podcast regarding um, us getting pregnant afterwards. And how long it took. It took like six months. Yeah, I think we talked about it a little yeah. bit and the adjustments we made after yeah. the first baby that mm-hmm. we lost. Um, but I mean, I felt like it was harder than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. And like what way for you? No, I mean, it was just more of I mean, trying. Thinking, yeah. I honestly thought, and this is growing up, and I, I don't know if like our parents and, you know, people that raised us, they they tell you. That, like, it's so easy to get pregnant. I guess they instill this fear of, like, don't do it because you're going to get pregnant. Yeah. And you're, and you're not ready. The fact that we were ready at the time, we were married and everything. Um, financially, we were stable enough to have a family, to start a family. It took longer than expected for me. I just felt like, oh, like, you just, you know, you just get pregnant. Yeah. Like, it was a thing that happens. And obviously, we went into that in, in the previous podcast of, you know, conceiving our first child and then, you know, losing... Uh, the first baby after what 10 roughly 10 weeks Mm -hmm. like you said we started six months again after that um what like the adjust we made adjustments i think yeah that's important to note that um i mean what were some adjustments that you made i mean um to prepare for trying to trying to have a baby again yeah i mean of course like i talked about how i felt like partly it was my fault that maybe my body wasn't ready or strong enough to carry a baby so i pretty much change my diet or I try to eat healthier I try to I really worked out a lot more Mm -hmm. and I mean you're a witness to that and you know um I'm just taking like supplements like my vitamins just really overall health just really trying to you know like better my immune system and everything so I think that was like the biggest adjustment and just thinking that you know get my body stronger so my body will be strong enough to carry a baby and to nourish the baby. Yeah. And I think that was like the biggest adjustment. And also just my mindset, you know, after losing the first baby, it really, it's like a big test to see when you try again, there's that fear of it happening again, or is, is it going to happen again? Or can I even have babies? So I think just having my mindset, you know, like God is in control and, just trying to tell myself that and you know there's not much i can do there's only so much i can do really and if it's meant to be it's meant to be if it's not then you know just keep trying yeah and you know hoping for better for us and that's pretty much how i i take on it and this speaks to a lot of people right now who are trying to have kids or they're planning to have kids because um you did make some substantial adjustments and it was like supplements for sure working out diet exercise and you know you're not a um you don't have a big build Mm -hmm. so i mean a lot of people that see you now they're like you even have a baby (laughs) but it was more of um the body's like um hormones and the immune system and the Mm -hmm. 
the ability to um, for the body to adapt yeah. in that in that condition where you're growing another child. Mm-hmm. Just taking like supplements and you know, like trying to get my hormones back to Balance. how they used to be. Well, how long did it take after we lost the first baby? How long did it take for for you to feel like your hormones were, were balanced again? I mean, I honestly, it after having the surgery, I felt okay. Like I was trying to monitor how my periods were and everything. And it was heavier in the beginning, but I think so it was just like a few months after. And I think obviously the thing that was holding us back or me back was just being scared still. The fear. The yeah. fear. I think we were both afraid at mm-hmm. some point to, I mean, it felt like almost like it would paralyze us yeah, and make us think that we weren't ready or that, you know, kind of accepting already that we can't, mm-hmm. if anything. I mean, I feel like that helped us a lot. Um, but I mean, definitely what I wanted to highlight was that it was a lot harder and it took a lot longer than I thought to actually get pregnant and, you know, to, I mean, to start that journey of the yeah. nine months, right? And this is not to say or to for, for, you know, younger people to think like, well, just like no holds barred, obviously. Like, I mean, what what we wanted for sure was to be emotionally ready for it to be financially ready and stable enough to start a family. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the most responsible thing that our families taught us was just, you know, of course, we're leaving everything in God's hands, but we have to think of quality of life. We have to we have to be prepared for, you know, the, the challenges that, that comes along with having a child. Yeah. Right. Um, I don't personally want to bring a child into the world and for us not to be ready, mm-hmm. um, not be ready to provide what the, what the baby needs. And um, I mean, as soon as as soon as we did um, conceive the second time, right, with Amela, I think there was a lot of there was a lot of uh, changes and adjustments that we both had to make, not only physically but mentally yeah. and emotionally. I have I have like different things that that came up in my head about how I needed to be and and the type of person I needed to be now. What was your What was your mindset? What was like your um, I mean, how did you feel about becoming a mother like while being pregnant yeah as soon as you're pregnant and then like that nine months there's a lot of changes that goes on obviously but um but more so what was going through your head at first i mean you know me like ever since i was younger i loved kids and honestly yeah kids like would be i'd be just attracted to kids and i was honestly excited and happy that wow i'm actually gonna become a mom and have a child of my own and it was also just nerve wracking just because, yeah, you see parents, you see like, you know, family members have babies and you, when you play with them, it's like, okay, here you go. <laughs> you can have them back. You know, it's yeah. just like a temporary. Yeah. You play with them and yeah. then like you give them back to the parents. Yeah. So you don't <laughs> see like behind the scenes and like what the parents have to go through at home. So for me, it was just excitement and of course joy. And I'm pretty sure that's how every mom would feel like finding out that they're pregnant but of course, being prepared of the unknown yeah. and like what to expect. And it's kind of hard to really, you know, you hear from like other like moms or like family friends and friends that, oh, it's tough. You know, like you really, it's going to change your life. You yeah. know, be re- like be ready to not sleep anymore. You know, you'd hear we heard like all, all that. that yeah, we yeah. heard all that crap from everybody. Yeah. And obviously it's like, yeah, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. You know, like I'm prepared. I'm prepared. Like. Or you'd be like, oh, you know, like you get nervous because it's like you don't know how it's really going to be. But I think my first, obviously, emotion was just excitement. Yeah, um, of course, I was excited. I, I think one thing that came up when you got pregnant was this protective thing in me. Like I wanted to be very protective mm-hmm. of you and of our baby, of course. And I don't know if this is like a dad thing where it happened. It was like a switch emotionally where i felt like emotionally i was a little bit softer you know coming from like the grind of working a lot and then you know once we got married and we you know we got our own place there was that whole like hard grind on that part and then now that we are like i felt like i softened up emotionally but mentally there was a switch in me that felt like i had to become more protective i i guess a hunter kind of mentality came out where it was kind of um I need to provide and um, I continue to work as much as I could when you were pregnant because yeah. you know, once the baby's here, I knew 
that I had to make some adjustments. But I think the first like thing that that switched to me was this mentality of I want to be a provider, I want to be a protector, and that caused me to work out more. Um, I, I mean, I talked to some of my friends about like how I feel like I prepared to be a dad. It was just maybe a little twisted to some people, but yeah, like I. I would imagine when I'd be working out, I'd be training, it would be to protect. Mm -hmm. It would be to get stronger for you or for our child. Yeah. You know, and and obviously we we didn't even know, you know, our child yet. But whoever it was going to be, I I always imagined it to be me as the protector, me as a protector for you and, and our baby. And of course, physically, you know, you started getting bigger and bigger. Obviously, that happens when you're growing a baby. There was definitely a lot more physical demand on my part, and I felt I I definitely felt that I felt that you know I didn't want you to lift a lot of things. I didn't yeah. want you to have to, um, you know, for the risks. Yeah. Right. That was definitely a big thing, like when we were preparing. Um, I noticed though near the end, like I guess they call it nesting, right? Yeah. When we we moved to, uh, to our new place, um, in preparation for Mela, I did notice this sudden burst of energy in you where you. <laughs> When you were nesting, for sure. Like you were trying to prepare our home yeah. and the room for the baby. Mm-hmm. And and it was, I don't know, was that like a natural thing that you felt or you just had this urge to do it? Yeah, I mean, because of, of course, it's like knowing that the baby's coming. Like you want to make sure you're prepared and yeah. that everything's ready for her, mm-hmm. you know, for the baby to come. So I think, and you know, that's actually like a natural thing that they say, you know, nesting. And it's so true. Like I would hear it all the time, like, oh, you know, like in your third trimester, you're going to start nesting. And it's true. It's just like that motherly care. Yeah. You know, and I definitely noticed like with you with, especially when you found out we were having a girl, I remember like, that's when I saw a switch in you too, where it's like, crap, I'm going to have a girl. (laughs) So, of course, like that natural, like father and, you know, like you being the protector, like Sai came out and I appreciated it because, you know, like I saw that you were ready to actually be a dad and like have a child and more so having a daughter, especially like in this crazy world now. It's scary. Like, honestly, it is. It still is. But knowing that you were like that and being prepared, like it made me feel more secure and safe. And more prepared that, you know, us as a family is going to be okay. Yeah. And I mean, I would, obviously, it would be the same if we were having a son. I think there is that slight difference. Yeah, Yeah, there's a slight difference there where I I tried to understand more um, from our parents. And, you know, people that raised us, like parent figures, father figures, mother figures um, growing up. And I guess you try to construct the best qualities into one you know, and you try to become somebody that that exhibits all those qualities. And I think for sure, becoming or knowing that I was going to be a, a girl dad, mm-hmm. there's there's definitely a lot of fear because, I mean, yeah, like you said, the world is crazy, and you know, I I was, I mean, to be honest with you, I was afraid to have a girl. I honestly thought we were gonna have a boy. Um, all the signs were all the freaking what, what do you call them like old wives tales mm-hmm. that you know, oh, you're gonna have a boy. And like the majority said boy. Yeah. And then, you know, on our gender reveal, obviously I was shocked. Um, I see how it was fate and it was destiny because mm-hmm. it changed me. It did. As and I always as, told you, like, yeah. I think deep down inside, I knew we were going to have a girl because I yeah. think you were meant to have a girl first. And Why? I think I was, I don't know, just, yeah, to soften you up a little bit. Shit. I, I mean, a lot of people don't know that I was, I have a very hard, stubborn you, side. You do. And it, it, I think it stems from, you know, the family that I come from, you know, of, I don't know. I don't want to say I'm like stern all the time. No, but I can definitely see that stubborn side in Mela now. I know where she gets that. Oh, you know, she gets it from you, dude. I don't know what she's talking about. <laughs> when we found out we were having Mela, I thought back to, I mean, I was already ready to raise a son to be strong like me. Yeah, I remember that. And, you know, I, I books came into you know, into my office, into my space. And I started reading books about, you know, raising men in the world. I, you know, that's why I felt like it, it I was wasn't forcing it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just came across things like that. And then as soon as we found out it was, it was a girl, I was like, oh, shoot, this is different. 
the more protector came out, but also this tender side of me, yeah. I feel like was was needed. Mm-hmm. And that was a big shock for me. I mean, um, I do see myself as like very firm in my in my beliefs, like very yeah. uh, I have a lot of conviction yeah. for my beliefs and what I believe in. Not to say that I don't anymore, but I see that there's this element of me now that has to balance that out. Mm-hmm. And not be so aggressive with everything. Um, to be a little bit more patient with things. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest challenge for me at that time was to soften up and to be a little bit more tender on how I approach situations and people. And um, you know, you know me. I come from um, a, a family of a lot of men. Yeah. You know, and I'm you know I have a I have a younger sister. I have a few uh, female cousins. Um, but I've grew. I grew up around a lot of men, and I, I look to my biological grandfather as someone who you know I came from. I am like him. Yeah. And my dad is like him. I'm like my dad, and I think it was meant to be because I find myself feeling a little bit more well-rounded now. Yeah. It, it forced me to slow down and be a little bit lighter. A little bit easier on my on my approach mm-hmm. to things, and uh, Amela for sure tests me even more now. Yeah, and it's funny too because like the fact that you say you've softened up a little bit, I feel like I'm a little bit the opposite. Yeah. You know how like people? I mean, yeah. not everybody sees another like another side of me. So, you know, obviously I'm like, what side are you talking about? The ghetto side or <laughs> the freaking? <laughs> No, that's I mean, you. But no, especially like having Mela, I feel like I'm more stern. You in are in a way, yeah. and I feel like that side is coming out more, like that motherly side, mm-hmm. and just really, you know, trying to put my foot down. And yeah, you're also, more you're more of a disciplinarian than I thought you would be. To be yeah. honest with you, and I think that also comes along with working with kids. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we can get to that later, but I think that's like a big part of it. But I do feel that side of me come out more. And I know a lot of people don't see that side of me, but when it comes to Mela, I think I've grown in that way. Well, I mean, I've seen you with your younger cousins and yeah. everything and knowing how you are at work and knowing the situations you got to deal with, mm-hmm. with kids. It's not, it's really no surprise to me that you're, you're um, a disciplinarian. I mean, the way you do discipline Mela, I can tell that you get a lot of it from, you know, what you see at work. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, we could talk about that. Um, what, what played a lot in my head was um, observing all types of parents and observing children. Oh, yeah. And then now, knowing that we're, go- we're going to be parents, mm-hmm. we have to pick and choose what type of parents we have to be. Yeah. And what parenting works, what parenting is not so good. Exactly. And you see that all the time at work. And it really depends on the kids, too, on their temperament. Mm-hmm. Because every kid's different. Everybody, like every kid responds, responds to like different types of like discipline. Mm-hmm. Some work, some doesn't. So it's yeah. kind of like seeing that and knowing how Mela is, like we're seeing like what works and what doesn't. Yeah. And it's like, you try to have like that patience with her because she doesn't know, she doesn't know better. Like she just yeah. pretty much, it's just like her instinct to just let out her emotion or frustration. <laughs> yeah. And that's the only way she can express it. Sometimes it's in the form of growling and you know, like, what the, no. And that's a big surprise to me because, you know, working in mental health and I worked with adolescents, you know, some as young as 12, I saw how the family played such a, a big role in how a kid is brought up mm-hmm. and, and how their attitudes are and their behavior. And then we have Mela and she gets mad. You could tell like yeah. innately it's just in her nature when she gets mad, like she gets frustrated, she growls <laughs> she or whatever. Listen. <laughs> if, if like she's trying to tell us something or trying to get our attention and we don't listen to her she's like ah! yeah she'll just like get frustrated and <laughs> growl or scream or whatever and we're like i don't know where she gets that from yeah maybe i don't know but naturally that happened and mm-hmm. it was like oh so there's it is both nature and nurture it's it it's also naturally who we are and then growing up in this environment mm-hmm. and like you said kids respond differently to it you know, and we're still figuring that out as best as we can. Um, we can have this path and approach on how to discipline our kids, how to raise our children. But we also have to listen and observe them. Yeah. 
on how they respond. Because if mm-hmm. I take this, it's weird because if I take this approach with Mela and I'm very strict and stern, I feel like she she gets more frustrated with me and she pulls away. Yeah. And she'll treat me with more attitude. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, girl, you got that from her mom. <laughs> 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 but see, but now I realize that it's not just the environment. Yeah. There is some natural tendencies that we have. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's one thing I learned now. Like, I mean, she's she's 16 months now. Yeah. She's 16 months old, over a year old. And I think we've both learned so much about being parents. Mm-hmm. What's one thing you wish you knew now that we can look back at our first year of being parents? I mean, I think more just of the adjustment. You hear all the time that it's going to be a big adjustment it's going to, your life's going to be different. And it's true, but I just feel like I wish I was more prepared for that feeling and for like that reality check that it is different. Mm -hmm. Cause you know, for one thing, yeah, they're always going to be, they're always going to come first, but actually going through it, it was different. You know, it's hard, especially it was, it got harder when the fact that it was during the pandemic, like literally this, like the peak of it, like giving birth at the peak of, covid in april and you know just having to be pretty much like locked down in your house like you can't go anywhere Mm -hmm. i think just the fact like knowing that we couldn't it's just that feeling of you know like i don't know i don't know exactly how to describe it but i felt like i did have like slight baby blues Mm -hmm. but at the same time i think just being in lockdown made it worse because you know just having to go through that whole routine like every single day. I mean, it was good just to be home as a family, yeah. you know, like especially just seeing her grow like that and spending every minute with each other. Mm-hmm. But I feel like we didn't get to really like go out and, yeah. you know, like as a family and just get like that simple, like fresh air, you know, yeah, yeah. we would take walks. Yeah. But I think that was like the hardest thing for me was just having to live in that routine, like every yeah. single day, especially like breastfeeding her, like waking up, breastfeeding her, like yeah. getting used to waking up every two to three hours that was hard like yeah you hear it but it's like oh okay but actually going through it it's like damn yeah it's tough and you just get so exhausted yeah and there was that time where i think we made it a point to always check in on each other yeah um and i think that was one big adjustment that i had to make was that you know in in that whole routine of like the first few months Mm -hmm. you know you're Obviously, your focus is Amela and feeding her around the clock, like every two hours, yeah. breastfeeding, pumping, and all this stuff. Um, I took it upon myself to be like, as much as I can, I'm going to do everything else in the house, um, whether it be grocery shopping or whatever. There was a time, and I think we, we had this maybe, I don't know, a couple of months, three months in. where Yeah, before I went to work, definitely. Yeah, we, we kind of had this talk where it was... You know, I was checking on you like, hey, are you okay? And I, I remember you mm. telling me that it's just overwhelming. Yeah. You know, and not to say that I chalk it up to baby blues. I think I, everybody goes through oh, yeah. that where it is overwhelming. And there's times where, you know, there was a time where Mela wasn't really latching and she wasn't really wanting to eat, mm-hmm. you know, um, or to be breastfed. And that, that was one big moment where I look back and, and think, what do we do? Yeah, I think too, like wishing that it was okay to feel that way, mm-hmm. like feeling that frustration. Because of course, like being a first time mom, breastfeeding, like you hear stories about like how hard it is and how much work it is. And yeah, that time when she just didn't want to latch and I was getting so frustrated, but it's yeah. not her fault. I can't take it on her. Exactly. And it's kind of like, what do I do? Like, I feel so helpless. Yeah. Because I'm her source of food and she doesn't want to eat from me. And it's like, what do I do? And I think that was one of the hardest parts too, was just breastfeeding in general. That's like a whole journey on its own and trying to figure that out. I feel like it, it looks, the way I look, looked at it, looking back now, it's, it feels like you have a whole different life oh, yeah. when you're breastfeeding. It's Where like everything is on top of it. Like breastfeeding is throughout everything mm-hmm. and it's like a whole different life when yeah. you're in that mode. Yeah, and just trying to figure out like her eating schedules and stuff and... Yeah, just trying to <laughs> figure everything out. Yeah, and then like after all the the phases that you went through, you know, the ebbs and flows, like there's times where you felt overwhelmed and then I would I, I could notice that, you know, there's like a, a sudden like, you know, burst or a brighter mood that you're in and yeah. Things are good. And I think there was a time that you checked on me soon after that and I remember breaking down 
because at that point, you know, what I realized was I'm not going to be priority anymore as your husband. You know, like your attention is Amela. And that was one thing I had to get over, not being your number one anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think every couple ends up going through that where, you know, the baby becomes such a focus. And and this is me speaking to all the dads out there because I've talked to a lot of dads too, new fathers and old fathers. And we've all talked and and not just for the nine months, it's for the first, I mean, it's years mm-hmm. of when, you know, you're trying to have kids and you become pregnant and you're raising kids. You know, in, in this role that I want to take up as a father, I realized that um, I won't be priority for anybody anymore. And that's okay. And that's what it takes to be a father. It's okay for me to look out for myself also, because in order for us to to have this protection, to have this ability to provide, we have to take care of ourselves too. You know, we have to be taken care of also. So on top of everything that I, I want to make sure everything's in line for you and for Amela, I remember telling myself, I can't lose myself because I'm doing that. Mm-hmm. Because they, you know, you and Mela are me. And it was one thing I really had to adjust and learn from because it almost felt like there was a time. And when you reached out, when you checked on me that one time, it was kind of like, I wish someone asked me how I was doing. Yeah, I remember that. You know, and it's not your fault. It's not anybody else's fault. Every time Mm -hmm. people see us, family, friends, whatever, it's, how's the baby? Like, how's mommy, right? Yeah. And I remember getting angry at some some point. It was just like, damn, dude, like, no one fucking cares about me. Yeah, I remember that. And what I learned was that that's natural and it happens. And it's Mm -hmm. no one's fault. Yeah. It's, of course, people are worried about the baby first. They're, They're worried about the mom first. And that was one thing I want to shout out to all, you know, dads too, that, hey, mm-hmm. you know, I get it. Yeah. And it's and it's okay. Mm-hmm. We don't have to get mad about it. And because I've gotten mad about it in the past, I realized that it, it wasn't what was needed. Yeah. I mean, like we had like small arguments about that too. Yeah. And I think just for me, trying to adjust to this new role of being a mother and I mean, obviously we both have a child, so it's like having to adjust to somebody else depending on you and having to care for them. Mm -hmm. Obviously, like as a mother, I feel like it is different for mothers than fathers. Mm -hmm. Because obviously, you know, like we're the ones who carry them for like nine, 10 months. So I just think like that instinct of just having to always make sure that they're okay. And sometimes like, you know, like I would get advice or people tell me, you know, you have to take care of yourself too. Or you have to like make sure you don't forget that you know, you have a husband or, yeah. you know, it's like stuff like that. It's like you hear it, but same thing, like I said, it's like going through it. It's hard. You have to figure it out on your own. Yeah. Like you don't realize it until you're going through the motions of like everyday life and adjusting yeah. to it. Yeah. It came to a point where I wasn't even taking care of myself and like how I felt. It was just more yeah. like, okay, is Amela okay? I have to feed her, change her, put her to sleep, making sure she's okay. It was hard. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think the, what we're saying now is the communication that we had throughout all those things is what really helped us get through it. Mm-hmm. That if, you know, there, there was times where, you know, each of us noticed it in the other and it was like, it was like, Hey, you know, let's talk. Yeah. Cause I, I noticed that I'm getting to this point where, I, you know, I'm not, I don't feel like myself. No. Oh, yeah. And I think that it was like, I'm glad that, you know, you're the one who's more like open to, conversations that i'm just you well, know i don't want to say that i'm just naturally like that i definitely force myself to be like that because yeah. of what i've seen mm-hmm. and a lot of people that end up you know with mental health issues and things like that it always stems from some sort of lack of communication yeah and i think this happens with families and other people where they don't communicate it and then that one thing it festers and then it spreads throughout and it grows into something too big for each person to handle. Yeah. And I wanted to make it a point where even if it was uncomfortable, it's it's difficult to bring up things like that where mm-hmm. it's like, you know, I got to be vulnerable. I got to be honest with you. And people might think like, oh, it's a sign of weakness or whatever. To me, it's worth it. Yeah. If it's going to help both of us, it gets us on the same page again. 
and we need to kind of refresh and get to this place of, all right, let's get our priorities straight. This is how I feel. This is how you feel. How can we make this work? And that's one thing I think we can vouch for and we can kind of promote and encourage for, you know, other families and whatever, not to say that no one else is doing that. It's we acknowledge that the communication is critical. Oh, yeah. Especially in this first year that we've had in Mela, mm -hmm. that we have to talk. And it is uncomfortable sometimes. And it's frustrating sometimes. If you can talk to your partner and your family about it, I promise you it will be better. And it will make everything easier. Yeah. Because it's already hard. Yeah. You know, anything, it doesn't make it better if you don't communicate. You know, it just adds on top of everything. And not to say like we're all, we got it all figured out. I mean, Mela is 16 months now. We can talk about these things that we've dealt with in the past, in this past year. Um, but we're still learning so much more. Mm -hmm. There's so much more happening. Like at her first birthday, this is the first time, like, you know, my family doesn't really throw a lot of parties. Yeah. And, you know, it, it was one of those things where I, I didn't realize how much um, a party for our child <laughs> doesn't feel like a party. <laughs> it feels like a lot of responsibility and a lot of work to do. Yeah. I mean, and like opposite for me, like my family is so used to throwing parties. So yeah. I'm just like used to it. <laughs> I know it, it's, it was an adjustment for me for sure. Especially at the end of the day, like there's so many gifts and like people shower mellow with gifts and it's so beautiful. I remember going to work the next day, like super drained. Mm -hmm. And it's such a, an adjustment for me to have obviously our child learn life and live life from the beginning i you know i don't remember when i was one and you know when i yeah. was throwing a party but to see her and to have these life experiences from her the beginning of her of her life is just so amazing to me that it's like it's almost like i'm reliving it through her mm -hmm. you know um despite all the challenges it was one of those things where i look back and i think how beautiful is this that i can witness someone's life from the beginning yeah you know like I said, we were going to record this at her at her one year, but things change, man. Like, you know, things happen in life and, you know, we got work, we got other things to do. And we're finally recording this now. But since she turned one, I think there's so many growth spurts and developments in her. Like she's hitting oh, those yeah. milestones. And it's such a beautiful thing. Um, I mean, what, what do you what do you think? Like your your favorite moment in her milestones and like when she's learning things now? What's your favorite moments? As of right now? Mm hmm I mean, just to see, like, how fast she grows and, like, how smart, yeah. like, she is and just, like, how kids are. <laughs> and it's crazy how fast she just picks up, especially, like, now that she, after, you know, she learned to walk, like, she started walking, um, like, two, two, three days after her birthday, like, she took, like, two, three steps. And yeah. it's just from then on, it was just, like... I think within that week, yeah. she was walking. She was walking. walking. And it's yeah. just crazy to see how fast they grow. But I think she's, you know, we always say that, oh, we miss her when she was this small. Oh, we miss her. We always miss like the first or the, the few months before like the, the month she actually the is previous stage. now. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny because she's at such a fun age right now where she's literally a sponge like she catches on on words like she's already talking saying little words here and there yeah it's funny so and i think just seeing how her personality is forming and just her character and just how innocent she is yeah and just to see like her grow as a person and obviously we see how her temperament is already we see how like she's a funny girl she's a sweet <laughs> sassy she's sassy as hell like, yeah i don't even know like where she gets that from <clears throat> but <laughs> you don't know right <laughs> but um yeah i just think like it's just fun watching her grow right now and i just i'm really enjoying her age yeah and she's like a sponge right now yeah like she'll copy what we say yeah and we're like oh shoot <laughs> this is bad <laughs> watch what we say already i know and we would <laughs> we'd make her say words as a joke and then she would actually say it say like it. oh no well, that's okay. you not me okay <laughs> <laughs> but what about I mean, you I mean, I think what was the biggest, I guess, a special thing that I saw in her was that she's so social. She is. And she, like, loves other kids. And this is, you know, speaking of the pandemic where we were locked down for, you know, months when she was born. I was always worried that she was going to be, like, socially awkward and not really, we didn't 
really get to expose her to other kids yeah. a- until after months later. Um, but now every time she sees a kid, even if we're walking even by at the grocery anybody. store, yeah, she'll like wave to people and anybody. Yeah, yeah you're like right. She like tilts her head to one side and, and she just, waves, like, waves with her little yeah. stiff hand. But the thing is, that's what I was scared too, was because she was super like clingy and she still is, but yeah. she had a really bad stranger danger. Even when she was yeah. like months old, yeah. even like when she was a little bit too young to even have that True. much fear. So that's why I was worried. I'm like, man, she's clingy. <laughs> like, yeah, she's a pandemic baby. Stage and five clinger. Seriously. Separation anxiety for sure. Oh yeah. And that's the thing. Like she would she wouldn't go to anybody. I mean, she still is kind of hesitant to like be picked up, but she'll talk to you and play with you like when you're in front of her and I stuff. I think people but... have seen some some stories that you put out there where she would like be carried by somebody and she'll cry. Oh yeah. And so that's <laughs> why. And it's I was worried about that. But yeah, that's true. It's like she's grown so much to where she's really social yeah she's really social and and it's fun to watch yeah um she's a little too social though like she's trying to <laughs> hug everybody boundaries. yeah <laughs> and like her with her friends like she's just like wants to like hug everybody like yeah it's it's good it's beautiful and it's natural yeah. that's the thing and um and she's just loving I, yeah she is and i think that's what people love about her too and that's one of that's one of the special things that i realized when she started growing yeah is that she's just a social butterfly she is she loves being around people she loves talking and playing with people um she has a lot of those like tricks you know that people love to watch yeah and You're it's right. crazy how fast like she just picks up on that like yeah. we show her a few times and she does it yeah and i mean it, there was a few times where like you would try to get her you would try to teach her something yeah. and she wouldn't do it and then like a couple weeks later out of nowhere she'll do it yeah she just like observes she's really observant like she too. yeah she like she basically ingrained it in her without doing it yet mm-hmm but she like programmed it yeah and then she'll like do it at a certain time Mm -hmm. later it's like as much as i miss her being just a baby like not walking not talking just won't push away when we try to hug or kiss her sometimes yeah but she's just so loving and sweet too where she would just like caress your face or you know it's just and when she kisses she's like yeah yeah she does it's just it just melts my heart and yeah it's just crazy i think i think she she gets that from us for sure yeah we're very i mean we show affection to each yeah. other so yeah. even when she would laugh or she would laugh when we would hug each other before mm-hmm. but you know and that's one thing i i i mean i read about it a little bit but also you know watching some you know videos and and things about development growth and development it's important that us as parents display the affection mm-hmm that you know that mommy loves daddy daddy loves mommy yeah and the kid sees that from both sides and that's one of the things that really shapes them in their relationships with both of us yeah and it it is so true to see like how we are to each other she picks up on that you know and and she's learning so much just from that like she's literally like a sponge like i know it's like a joke like in movies and they're like a sponge but they really are yeah they're observing everything Mm -hmm. um and i mean that's that's a whole thing on its own and i mean since then i i I wanted to highlight now that we just got back from our first trip with her and it was uh it was a totally different way to travel for sure um we went to hawaii and you know her at, at 16 months we were um kind of celebrating her too you know, to, to bring along um, for uh, a few of our friends' birthdays. Yeah. And we were with, uh, you know, a group of friends and their their kids, too. We're celebrating them. It was definitely a challenge. Um, a lot of anxiety before we went. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, I think she did better than I thought she was going to be. Yeah, she did. Um, but I, I also attribute that to you and how you prepared her for the trip and how you tried to strategically plan out how to do things for her for our flight and things yeah. like that i don't know overall like we just got back this this week so it's like how how do you feel like the trip went for her first time yeah i agree i feel like it went better than i expected yeah because you know i would hear stories or people and family would tell me oh just give her benadryl on the plane give her benadryl yeah i know but of course you know like that was my backup plan like if she was really acting well if she was crying the whole flight i would have but i just wanted to see how she would do with you know, without it first. And luckily and thankfully she fell asleep the first hour, both back in like going there and coming back. She fell asleep for the first hour for takeoff. And, um, I think like it was harder coming back because she was getting more restless 
and you know just trying to like distract her with like different things and she would just get bored easily so i mean i think it was a lot tougher coming back but yeah. i mean overall she did really good and yeah. just being there in a different place a different state um i think it helped too that we were in a group so it wasn't just us so she can like interact with different people yeah and it was just fun to like watch her you know interact with everybody and see how comfortable she got mm -hmm. like right away but just traveling with a toddler alone even just packing <laughs> having to oh my gosh yeah i mean you know me i already overpack for myself and yeah. having to pack for another person and overpacking for them it's like <laughs> especially with a baby you know like they get dirty you just need a change of clothes like yeah. all the time but yeah. she did really good not having to change yeah. but just yeah having to think about another person especially you know like us in the pandemic right now and just our first time traveling together as a family of course there was that fear yeah and that anxiety of not knowing what could happen what's gonna happen how is she gonna be is she gonna get sick or you know just stuff like that it's that anxiety level was definitely up but i think mm -hmm. we did a pretty good job and you know preparing and just kind of going with the flow and just seeing what happens yeah it, it's it's so different from just traveling like us just too. us yeah. yeah um it did help that we were with a group um but there was there was this fear and worry you know if, if something was gonna happen you know yeah and even walking walking around in the city and stuff like it's very different um, knowing that we're so far from home too yeah, exactly. and i mean it's not that far obviously but um i think it was a big test for me to see how we could do it mm -hmm. to travel to a different place um it, it's it's a milestone for me i think for us to travel um on a trip like this mm -hmm. flying on an airplane being in a different city um getting through that makes me feel like a lot better you know, and more excited to travel more. More, yeah. And to think that she's just, you know, a year and four months old, there's so much more that she's going to experience, mm -hmm. you know, and um, I'm excited for that. Yeah. You know, and I'm thankful that we're able to do that for her, to bring her around already on top of everything, on top of all the worries and fears that we have as parents. Yeah. Who, who knows what's in store for us? I think the number one question that we get now <laughs> is... When's number two? Yeah, I mean, that's always. That's yeah, it's funny because like when you just get married or when you're dating and people ask you, when are you getting married? <laughs> and then you get married and they're like, when are you having kids? And then you have a kid. They're like, when's the second one? I just saw a video. That, oh, really? Of that, yeah. Oh, shoot. And, but that's, I mean, naturally that's how yeah. it is. And I get it. There's so much more in store for us, I think. Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, I definitely want obviously I, we do want another kid and you know especially with mela being at her age right now i do kind of want them close you know close in age mm -hmm. but yeah i mean just kind of like going back with just that fear again you know like the anxiety of obviously like having another kid but and then just you know watching her grow and mm -hmm. like going back to when i said you know i work with kids you know i work in the melinda and just seeing the different situations that could happen or that happened to these kids or yeah it just makes me so much more like paranoid like, yeah. i didn't realize how paranoid i was like for every little thing like i see kids like who have like simply like the seizure kids they don't even know and it's like if when mela just stares off or something mm -hmm. i'm just like i try to get her attention like mela mela are you okay like i try to like yeah you know see if she's alert and i didn't realize how paranoid i was until yeah. you know like i hear like other um, friends from before, it's like, oh yeah, I can't work with kids because they have kids. And I'd be like, oh, you know, like it's fine. Like I'm fine. But actually having a toddler now yeah. that she can like get hurt or, you know, yeah. something like that. Because you, you work with the kids at their most vulnerable, vulnerable state. Yeah. Like they already got into yeah, it or something like did so happen already. nerve wracking. Yeah. And I think that's like one of the things too that I wish I was prepared for was just the worry i mean of course the worry is always going to be there yeah but just working with kids and seeing what could happen it scares me but yeah. you know i just have like that faith and yeah you know we both do but 
that's definitely something that I don't think it's ever going to go away. Yeah. And it's, it always goes, I always go to my motto, like expect the best things to happen, but prepare for the worst. Mm -hmm. That way you're never really, you're never really surprised. Yeah. But expecting that the best things can happen, you know, it's, it's living in that state of, you know, allowing life to be what it is and not to live in that fear Mm -hmm. too much. Yeah. Because we de- we definitely see some people that live in that fear, and you know you, they they overprotect their kids, yeah. they overshelter them. Yeah, and that's also not healthy either. Mm-hmm. It, it's just a weird balance that we're trying to find. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's crazy cool. to me that people have like multiple kids. Like, wow, we only have one, and we really <laughs> feel this. I know. You know. I have some friends too feel the same. See, but okay, but now you know a lot of our friends are pregnant, mm-hmm. and they're you know like they're expecting and it's it's amazing i'll ask you right now on the podcast are you are you catching baby fever i am (laughs) like i told you before like i miss being pregnant as weird as that sounds you miss your belly i miss my belly like and just like that feeling of you know somebody growing inside of you feeling like the little flutters kicks in and stuff like i don't miss like the nausea and all that stuff (laughs) but i do especially working with babies like i get little babies at work too and Holding them, wishing, like, remembering how Mella was this small and wishing she can be this small. Yeah. I do. Yeah. And. I mean, the fact that a lot of our friends are expecting and. Yeah. There's a lot more talk about babies again. Yeah. And, like, um, trying again. And, yeah. And, and I'm sure, like, you, you know, you want to be pregnant with your friends, too. Like, there's that feeling, too, yeah. of, like, being pregnant with people. Yeah. Because you, you had you to, had a few people pregnant with while you were pregnant, too. Right? yeah and you were you were yeah talking you just to all have like that camaraderie and just you know yeah. somebody to talk with and to see like how they're feeling are you going through this are you going through that yeah and like that's another thing too that um i wanted to talk about too is when you have a baby and being pregnant and when you have a child you don't realize how much you compare yourself to other moms or you compare mm. your kids to other kids and i wish that was something that i knew too you know, you hear like mom shaming and stuff because, you know, there's some moms that do certain things and are against stuff or judge other moms for this and that. But I think that was another thing I was like struggling with, too. So Especially, like, like in the beginning with with development, you mean with um that, too, and just raising them in general, like simply what do you feed your kid? Like some oh. moms would never feed their kids frozen food, mm-hmm. would only do like healthy food, organic food. Yeah. But it's like you feel that mom guilt. It's like, oh, they're raising their kid like this. Should I and not? And I'm doing this yeah. and stuff. And it's it's really hard to get out of your head and to st- like to not compare yourself. Yeah. Or to think like if you're a bad mom for not doing this or doing that. And I think that's like one struggle. I think that's never going to go away because obviously the kids are going to keep growing yeah. like older and older. And I think just having that mindset that every kid's different, every family is different, mm. every mom is different, how they want to raise their kids. Yeah. And just accepting that, you know, the way you want to raise your kids is the way you want to, what works for you and your family. Yeah. And I think that's like what I had to try to learn on myself too is just reminding myself that, Oh, especially too, yeah, with milestones, developmental. Yeah. Like Mela didn't start crawling till she was like later. Yeah. And it's like I would hear like other moms say, Oh, my my child is already walking or they're saying words or like, At, like nine eating. months. Yeah. yeah. And it's kinda like, Is there something wrong with my kid? Yeah, of course. <laughs> like you yeah, just but, like But that. then we'd always get back to that space of Mela's on her own schedule. Yeah. In her developmental. Mm-hmm. Like we definitely noticed there was more cognitive development first. Yeah. Than her physical ones. Mm-hmm. So like motor skills and things like that. So yeah. it really is. I mean, I mean that speaks a lot because I'm sure a lot of other moms, yeah. you know, feel that way too. Definitely. And and it's it's finding that way to accept that this is how you know your path is and yeah. how this how this child's schedule is. Mm-hmm. You know, man, that's tough. Yeah, it, it was really tough, especially like sleeping schedules. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I remember I was getting so frustrated when Mello wouldn't sleep through the night, and I would. You know, yeah. have other friends like their babies like sleeping eight hours and I'm <laughs> yeah. like, damn, I wonder how that feels yeah. like. <laughs> you know, it's just literally being pregnant, being a mom is a whole learning process. Even being a you know, just a parent in general. Yeah. Every day is just a learning a learning process and And e- even more so I respect um our parents and parents in general. Mm-hmm. You know to raise another person 
to raise the best people that we can in this world. You know, it's it's a gift, it's a blessing. Yeah. But it's also one of the biggest challenges I've ever faced, mm-hmm. and we're just beginning. Yeah. You know, so um, whatever's in store for us, we we just know we've always made this point to each other that we're gonna yeah. do our best. Yeah, I mean, just talking about having another baby, it's just thinking about damn yeah, going through the whole process starting again. over. Like just <laughs> thinking about it's obviously more like the labor part. <laughs> that oh was shoot, yeah. The well, hardest thing i've ever been through in my life yeah. and just thinking about if i want to go through that again of course it's like without a doubt i would but just being nervous to feel that again yeah it's like damn are you are it's you at hot. that place yet because i think people have said like yeah you're you go Forget. through so much pain mm-hmm. but then your love for another child overpowers that already oh definitely i mean I remember I'm never going to forget that pain, but like without a doubt, I would definitely like go through that just to have another, another kid again. But it's like, obviously I didn't get the epidural the first time, but it's like, damn. I mean, you saw, oh, you saw yeah. how I saw it all. The only one in the room. So. I freaking saw it all. <laughs> and, um, I remember thinking at that time during labor, it was like, shit we're gonna go through this multiple times like this is a lot i'm gonna go through this multiple (laughs) times what do you mean (laughs) you know there was a different challenge that i went through yeah when you were in labor yeah and it was hard because you were the only one there yeah well i'm glad they allowed me to be there because i know at that time for certain hospitals we were worried about that they weren't allowing even the fathers to be there yeah and one of my friends crazy like her husband wasn't able to go until i think the baby came out like the whole labor process she was by herself and I couldn't imagine like it's just the that, it's just the hardest time. Yeah. Like having that support system is really, really helpful. And especially like, you know, the things that I went through during labor, like small adjustments we have to yeah. make and, and you know, this happens and then we have to make it you know, have to make an adjustment or decision. Dude, yeah, having to push for three hours and yeah. the freaking nurses and doctors telling me don't push when I have to freaking push. Like I think that you said that was the hardest part. That right? was the hardest part because dude, I mean, of course like they have kids so they know, but it's like what the hell you want me to do? I have to freaking push this Don't baby push, out. Yeah. How can I, the fact that I'm fighting against it, like holding it yeah. was like the most painful thing <laughs> ever. And that's, I mean, that's when I would, when I explained that to people that like you started making these like very <laughs> motherly, like natural motherly, like sounds. I don't know how to describe it. I didn't know how to describe it Where you it were too, like, but. You were really birthing a person at that point. Yeah. And, and that was even when I was pushing. Like, yeah, yeah, you were holding. Pushing. You were holding the push. Yeah. And you said that was the hardest part. That was the hardest part. Because when I was pushing with the contractions, it relieved that pain. Yeah. So it felt better. <laughs> the, only, the only way I can try to understand <laughs> is like you had to take a really bad dump and I'm holding it. Ex- do that times but, 10 I mean, I get, yeah i get it though i mean i like know that i don't know if that sounds insensitive but dude that's all i can really compare it to and yeah i would imagine if you multiply that by 10 that sucks <laughs> so hell yeah <laughs> i mean it's, it's a beautiful thing though to it witness is. and i mean obviously that was one big thing that we got a lot from mm-hmm. i mean not a lot of people i mean there's some people that never got to see their child be born yeah and I was thankful enough to see I we like I literally saw her be born. You didn't How, get traumatized? No. <laughs> no, I didn't. Luckily. But to see life happen that way and all the fears that I had, you know, with your health and everything like that, mm-hmm. wondering if it could, if you could even have kids and wondering if your body's going to be able to take it to raise to to grow a child and then give birth. Mhm. Seeing you accomplish that without an epidural, without any medications, it showed me the actual capabilities of human beings and how beautifully made we are yeah. and how mm-hmm. you have to really trust our creator yeah. that we are made to do things like this. And when you when you did that, and we tell people that you did, you did it without an epidural, people are shocked. And, you know, knowing you, you're such a quiet person in public and stuff like that, you really stuck through it. And we kind of made that decision early on where it's like you said you didn't want to have any medications yeah, or anything. Because I was like hearing, you know, the risk and benefits of it. Yeah. And I just felt like me personally, the benefits of not having it outweighed, like, you know, outweighed the risk of actually getting it. Yeah. And 
I just, you know, had to stick through it no matter. I didn't know how bad the pain was going to be. I just like, just put my mindset before, you know, okay, I'm not going to get it. But during, like, I honestly, I thought about it because the even <laughs> nurse asked me like, are you sure? Yeah. You know, there's like that um, time to where if it's too late to get it, yeah. I guess like, they always made sure, but I was like, no, I'm okay. And then just, I honestly was surprised myself too. Cause I mean, there's times when I do have a high pain tolerance and not, but the fact that I was like the worst pain of my life, I mean, I surprised myself too. And I felt, yeah, it's crazy because you can see like what we're made out of. And that's yeah. what I wanted to see for myself and prove to myself that I could do this. Yeah. And I was also worried too that after pushing for three hours, they're just going to cut me open because it was taking too long or yeah. I wasn't able to push her out. But dude, they're ripping that shit open. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. But yeah, it was amazing, but just crazy. That was a, that was an experience for yeah. sure. And I would definitely go through it again. But I think, I mean, this is not going into detail, but I think one of the hardest parts too of the beginning of having a baby is just the recovery. Like uh, down there, it was tough. Like yeah. it was painful and I literally did not, I don't know how three months is like good enough, you know, having to go back to work after yeah. three months. Yep. Like I don't even feel completely myself. So yeah, it's just, it's just crazy. But here we are now with Melon yeah. being 16 months and yeah. like how and far we've come. The thing is we can talk about it now because we've been through it, mm -hmm. you know, and I think it, this is a good recap and it's kind of our journey uh, being parents or becoming parents you know, from preparation up to now where mm -hmm. we're, we're thrust into this role and we're both still learning it. You know, it's not that we have all the answers and people should listen to us for that. It's more of this is documenting our journey in life. Yeah. And, you know, I would say a majority of the people on this earth are planning to be parents someday. Yeah. And not to say that we have all the right answers, but our experience, I think your experience can help a lot of women, mm -hmm. um, a lot of mothers. And just the perspective alone and how to prepare for things and being ready for the unexpected. Because because we really don't know. Yeah. No one knows. And same with me too. Like I've heard different stories from different moms and it's helped me. Yeah. So I feel like just sharing like real life stuff and, you know, the good and the bad. Mm -hmm. It helps. It helps me talk about it. And, you know, I hope it helps other moms too. Like preparing the ones who are pregnant, preparing to give birth that there's no right or wrong you just got to figure out like what works for you what's best and i yeah. think the biggest thing too is just when unsolicited advice is given when like how to raise your child or you know like when you're pregnant like oh you shouldn't eat this or that you know just advice that doesn't help i think that was also kind of frustrating oh too. like unsolicited like people would just give you advice, advice without, yeah, yeah like yeah. either when you're pregnant or having a kid just the advice from people that doesn't really help or pertain to you or like you don't agree with or ju they're just telling you to do this because mm -hmm. you have to i think that turns a lot of like moms off too like or just people mm -hmm. off and i think that's one thing that i've learned that you don't always have to listen to what people tell you mm -hmm. and i don't think it's the best thing to give people advice if they don't ask for it oh yeah you know like yeah. it's better to just learn on your own but if they ask you then give advice but if they're not asking, then don't even bother telling them what to do. And that's you know? almost about everything in that's general. Everything, yeah. yeah. And that's what I've learned too, is that you learn on your own. If you want, if you need help, ask for help. And that's when you help somebody. If they're not asking for it, don't give advice, you know? Yeah. If, if anything, this is the, just, just one part of our journey. Yeah. And uh, we're still learning more and more every day. Things change and Mela changes every day. She grows a little bit more every day. We learn something new every day. And whatever's in store for us, I I'm, I, I hope and pray that we continue to, to try to do our best to make those adjustments, to learn from it, to grow, and to be the best parents that we can be. Yeah. Right? I mean, on that note, since you have baby fever, we should just make the second one now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for coming back, babe. This is obviously... a. Uh, a long-standing story. 
ever going to be able to tell. Yeah. Thanks for having me. You know, this is totally out of my comfort zone, but... You're getting more comfortable with it, though, I can tell. (laughs) All right, babe.